Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Welcome to the campfire. It is such a pleasure to be back here with you. Did, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I sure did. Was your turkey day not a turkey? <laughs> well, yours was, but the next day was awesome. <laughs> we actually traveled oh, yeah. on Thursday and ate on Friday, and Tony was so disappointed Thursday night that he didn't get pie, but then we made up for it on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm Tony. And I'm Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. So, you know, we like to have a extra chair around the fire, a couple extra <laughs> chairs, just in case, you know, somebody wants to pop in and, and sit with us by the fire. So, on my wish list now is a big, strong chair. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> because I saw Bigfoot. And if he ever wants to stop by and roast marshmallows with us, I don't want him to break our chairs. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you guys, we were driving through the redwoods. I swear I saw Bigfoot. Yeah, she. Okay, so we went camping for Thanksgiving to the Ben Bokeh away. Mm -hmm. And it's, what, a couple hours north of us. So yep. it's, it's in Humboldt County. We're coming back from the trip, right? We're hauling the trailer back. And <laughs> Peggy all of a sudden just goes quiet. And I look over and I'm like, you okay? Because I, I was driving. And she's like quiet, right? And I'm like, what's up? Are you all right? Is you know everything okay? She looks like she had seen a ghost, literally. <laughs> and she goes, I think I just saw Bigfoot. Now, you need to understand that every time we are driving through like a forest area, every time we ride on the skunk train, anytime we're in the wild, I'm always looking for like a bear. Yeah. Yeah, she is always... Badger. Yes. I don't care. Just some kind of wildlife in the real. Like a turtle <laughs> in the creek. I don't know. But we spent one day on the weekend doing a little sightseeing and there's a lot of a lot of Bigfoot up there. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff about Bigfoot and I guess that just it was in my mind. Maybe I saw a bear. Well, one of the good things is I had the dash cam rolling and so I've been looking through the footage looking for where that happened. Haven't gotten there yet. Well, if I if I get there and there's a dug on Bigfoot, you can absolutely bet I am gonna post that <laughs> on social media like a fool. I don't know. But let's get a big chair just in case. Because, you know, of course, if he exists, he's going to want to come roast marshmallows with us. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've heard Bigfoot really stinks. Do you huh. really want a big old stinky dude or whatever um, by the campfire? As long as we don't bring him inside, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so there you go. Peggy saw Bigfoot. We're going to be right back. And Bigfoot will not be part of the next talk where we discuss the various ways that RVs are built and why that will matter for you. 
We know lots of people who would love to try out stressless camping, but don't have an RV. That's why we love RV Share. It's a great way to test the waters without jumping in with both feet. With RV Share, you can rent other people's RVs so you can experience stressless camping firsthand. It's a great way to decide which RV is right for you. Try motorhomes, travel trailers, or fifth wheels and see what fits your lifestyle. And if you want a safe and secure way to make money with your RV, RV Share is the way to do that. Safe, secure, and a great way to start stressless camping. So check out RV Share on the Discounts and Deals page on our website today. We are very excited to welcome back Josh Winters, the RV nerd from Haylit RV of Coldwater, Michigan. Josh, <laughs> thanks once again for joining us. Pleasure to have you. What we were talking about, Josh and uh, Josh and we speak a lot, <laughs> and we we're talking about the difference between the way various trailers are built, and this kind of comes in two big categories that trickle down into subcategories but essentially there are two main ways of building mostly travel trailers and that's a wood frame with an aluminum skin and a laminated skin where they take an outer layer which is typically fiberglass and several inner layers and glue them all together to form a rigid wall and there are distinct advantages and disadvantages of each of those types. So basically that's that's what we're talking about. Thank what you. Should, good night. Yeah. <laughs> what should you get as a prospective RV owner? Yeah. And it's really a question of trying to figure out which one's best for you. Because like you said, they both have benefits. They both have drawbacks. And at the same time, I don't know that it like this one thing like laminated versus conventionally constructed doesn't necessarily denote this is the type of trailer you should look for. But if these factors on one side or the other sound good to you, then maybe those types of trailers are the ones you should look at. Because the thing is, chances are the floor plan you're looking for, it exists in any type of, tra especially travel trailer construction. Yeah. Right. It is very uncommon to find a true unicorn floor plan out there. There's not a whole lot of unicornosaurus rex floor plans out there. <laughs> no. I mean, there's only so much space you have, and there's certain components that have to be there. So yeah. there's a limit to how many different places you can put those things. Yeah, and they're pretty much sourced from the same company. Yeah, and if you start really looking at I've designed a few floor plans that manufacturers have adopted and built. And a couple times, I it was one of those things where like I've, just recreated something that was, or I'm like, Oh, what if I move this here? Then you realize, Oh, that doesn't work. So you start playing the shift game a little bit. Yeah. And by the time it's done, you realize that all you've done is rebuild a trailer that already exists. So, like there's <laughs> reasons that they build them that way. And some of that is weight distribution, but that's, that's another subject for another yeah. podcast episode. Sure. So let's start with one of the first differences between laminated trailers and what they call stick and tin, which is the aluminum skin, typically wood frame trailers, but that's not always the case, right? It's always true, except when it's not. That's <laughs> absolutely right. But for the most part, just to set, I think, some general ground rules, 
for the most part, the most basic comparison that I think we should look at that all apply to the vast, vast majority of trailers, 95% plus is just like you said, type A stick and tin trailers or conventionally constructed, whatever you want to call them, aluminum skin, batten insulation like a house, wood studded skeleton versus laminated, which is fiberglass, aluminum skeleton, bead foam insulation. It's all glued and pressed together. Those are the two main things. There's a few offshoots, but those are the main things that if you can learn those, the other little niche builds, you don't need to learn a whole lot to pick up. And typically a consumer, even at that point, can understand the the two or three minor differences there. Right. And so the way to tell, you go to an RV dealer like Halid RV of Coldwater, Michigan, and you look at all the trailers that they usually have there. There's a ton, but not at the moment because we're in crazy pandemic times where it's hard to get it. We're any. slowly getting back there. We're at about one-fifth of our normal inventory, but that's better than that's about one-ninetieth yeah. of what yeah. we used to yeah. have. So we're getting back there. Well, that's good to hear. If you look at the trailers, there will be some that have smooth sides and some that have corrugated sides. And the corrugated are essentially the wood frame with aluminum skin. And the smooth sides are typically the fiberglass laminated trailers. Typically. <laughs> and for the sake of the exercise tonight, we'll just go with that. That's what we're yeah, going to say. Exactly. Because there are subcategories. So the first advantage, let's, I guess we could have. Advantage stick and tin, advantage laminated. (laughs) So Josh, who would you give the advantage to when we're talking about towing aerodynamics? In that case, especially once you're talking highway speeds, the smoother skin trailers are generally going to fare better. The laminated skin trailers. One of the reasons is as your speed doubles, your wind resistance roughly squares. So when you're just towing around town, red light, green light, eh, not that big of a deal. You're in your lower gearing ranges. You've got more torque available, but a lot of vehicles, they, you know, tend to power out once they get into those higher speed ranges, you know, the way that vehicles are geared. And once you start getting into that 50 plus range, that's when you can really feel it. That's when a lot of times you're like, well, I've got a uh, 4,600 pound trailer. I got my half ton tow package pickup. I can tow 8,000 pounds, but I have a hard time keeping it above, you know, 60. Well, Yeah, because there's a lot of drag at that point. A smoother skin trailer has a lot less drag. I mean, think of it like if you're, you know, gliding through the water, the more like slim and and streamlined you have your body, the quicker you're going to go, the less drag you're going to have. If you flatten your body out, you're, you know, going to slow down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Just like if you're falling out of an airplane. (laughs) So in other words, it'll take me longer to hit the ground than it would you. I don't know. It depends. Maybe I'll just ride you down. (laughs) Dude, if you're going to go weird, I'm going to go weird. This is what I do. So basically all those corrugated surfaces, all those wavy shapes in the corrugated trailers are actually outside dimension of the trailer that's kind of folded together so it's actually a larger surface area as well yeah and actually that's what a lot of it is when you're towing at speed surface area matters and i think one of the most amazing examples of that is something if you dig enough you could probably find it on google i don't know i just i know a lot of people from the auto industry living in michigan and mr halet you know my dad and employer is old ford alumni so like i get stories like this handed down to me like come here grandson (laughs) when the f 450 first came out it was just a cab and a chassis it wasn't even a bed at that point and boeing was paying all this money to move all this brick foam styrofoam all over the place and uh they thought holy cow we can just buy 
8, 10, 12 of these F-450s, and that will be just pennies on the dollar compared to the transport costs we normally have. So on the trailers for the a big F-450 was just giant brick of foam, the largest cubic foot of space that they could put on there legally to transport it. Hmm. And they were melting transmissions. It's styrofoam. It's an F-450. What is going on? Well, after replacing about eight transmissions, Ford goes, we're done doing this. Something's going on. So they put some instrumentation on while he's found out that the transmission fluid was boiling on these things. And what they attributed it to was if you think about the characteristics of styrofoam, especially when it's rough cut, it's it's actually a really rough surface. It's got all these little nooks and crannies, and it was just an air grabber magnet. Hmm. And they were just melting transmissions. So Boeing's super expensive aviation engineering company solution, wrap all the styrofoam in one layer of shrink wrap to smooth it out and it never became a problem again. And that's why, you know, everyone always makes a big deal of how much fuel economy do you get when you're towing a trailer? If it's a big trailer, little trailer, it's the same. It's between 11 and good. Yeah. It's 11 to 14 miles per gallon because essentially you're pushing that giant eight foot wide by 10 foot high box through the air. A lot of it, actually, a lot of your miles per gallon loss You'll see a very similar loss, even just, let's say, a half-ton pickup towing a pop-up camper, and you'll see a huge miles per gallon loss. And the reason is you broke your wind signature. These vehicles are really tuned to have the wind whip around them and then close behind it because the wind closing behind you is another big factor. And when you break that wind signature, you introduce so, so much drag. So even a half-ton pickup, you'll lose chunks of miles per gallon like with a 1,400-pound pop-up that you don't even know is back there. That's why when you look at the tailgate shapes that these pickup companies make, big factor of that shape is aerodynamics. And you're right. When you put anything back there, there goes all that. Well, actually, even just flipping your tailgate down, you break the wind signature of the truck and you introduce drag doing that, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, yeah, that sounds opposite. Yeah, well, on a modern truck, in the olden days, that wasn't the case, <laughs> right? Because they didn't put those things through a wind tunnel. They're hey, like, Tony, it's a I, I, this might be a good time to remind you. You want to talk about the olden days. I am technically a millennial. I'm just the oldest generation thereof. So. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, the olden days to me is not 2000. that old. Yeah. <laughs> My under... No, I won't go the there. The golden days to me is when your computer squealed like a pig when you dialed up to the internet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You've got mail. All right. So let's also go on to the next topic because we could talk about aerodynamics all night long and it doesn't make much difference. I think the lesson there is who does that matter for? And if you're going to be on the road a lot, you're like like me. When I get to tow, I don't tow a lot. And I tend to go maybe a couple hours, just enough to say I got away from home so that I can mentally disconnect from everything. I don't need a fancy laminated trailer. But if I was going to be going from here to Florida on the regs, I would definitely be looking at something like that just because it'd be a smoother experience. So each one of these categories, when I say advantage, who I give that for, is it necessarily a hard deal breaker for everybody? I don't think so. But I think that these are maybe motivational factors. If that sounds like something that's attractive to you, put a little check in that column. On the subject of construction, weight is another factor between the two of these. So our next thing is weight. (laughs) When it comes to that, your laminated trailers have the advantage there, typically, typically. Funny thing about when you hear laminated, typically we associate laminated with ultralight. That's not always the case, but it is often the case. A lot of laminated trailers are built with 
higher degrees of weight sensitivity, which translates into a higher price tag as a result, but you're getting less weight in the mix. So you're getting more trailer per pound, where stick and tin trailers give you more trailer per dollar, if that makes any sense. Yeah, stick and tin is a less expensive way to build a trailer, plain and simple. Sure, yeah, that's one of its main advantages. And it doesn't sound like a pretty advantage, but at the end of the day... We all want to know what the price tag is, so it's a significant factor. Absolutely. Now, our next area is suspension that we're talking about. I'll typically give the nod there to the laminated trailers again due to the fact that because they're less price sensitive, like we just mentioned, the brand managers are more easily able to incorporate the cost of some form of better suspension system. It's not as obvious to the buyer. The buyer of a stick and tin trailer is very often highly price motivated. And a lot of people have described it as a race to the bottom. I understand why they say that. But the fact is that if you apply something that costs a couple hundred bucks to a stick and tin trailer, people's, whoa, alarms immediately go off. But you add a couple hundred bucks to a laminated trailer, somebody intends to keep a little bit longer. They go, eh, a couple hundred bucks more if if I get what I want out of it. I'm okay there. And suspension is a good example of that. One of the least expensive, but very effective ways you often see that on laminated trailers, not exclusively, but nearly exclusively, is those wide stance axle systems. I talk to a lot of RV delivery drivers and they constantly, I mean, once a week, I hear some say, man, that trailer toe is nice. And it's different trailers, different brands. It can be Whitehawks, Freedom Expresses, other things that we've carried. And the common factor is always that wide stance suspension system. It works. Yeah. Another way that you can see a better suspension system on a laminated trailer is really too like the Rockwood Flagstaff group is really famous for their torsion suspension, not just torsion axles. And it works so well that Airstream adopted their system, which I, I think really says something. Rockwood is really the originator of it. And then a few other groups have adopted it since. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a knock against them. I think they're smart for doing it, but it's easily the most expensive like travel trailer suspension system that you're going to find out there. It takes a lot of extra engineering to get that accomplished, but the ride and handling it gets is also pretty stellar because it gives you the benefits of that wide stance axle system, really. The control factor, less bounce and less sway, but it does it with the tires closer together so you don't experience that tire scrub when you're jackknifing into a parking space, which Hmm. frankly, folks, is not a problem, but it feels nicer when you don't hear the tires going. (laughs) Yeah, and it just, seeing a trailer in a tight corner, a two-axle trailer, you watch this wheels just bend inward or outward yeah and it's just you're just imagining the stresses on those axles it's crazy sure thousands of pounds twisting on that thing (laughs) absolutely and that's why you buy travel trailer tires they're designed for that right but anyway again yeah another rabbit hole (laughs) totally is the other thing that you'll find sometimes you don't see it often anymore but like an eagle is a good example or an eagle ht they actually have like a moride style suspension system and there's other people that use like equal flex but things you normally associate with fifth wheels you tend to find stuff like that on those more premium level travel trailers you don't tend to find a lot of that even on the more basic entry level laminated stuff though i have also seen failures of suspension on just the really low-end leaf springs where either shackles come loose or welds break or just the leaf itself fails. It's certainly possible. It's not common. And the thing that I remember there 
is like in your Facebook group, Stressless Camping, that everybody should join, by the way. I'll just plug that for you. Even in that group, think of how rarely you see it. And you are hearing the extreme vocal, extreme minority there. Yeah. It's just not a common thing that happens. Is it possible? Sure. I've had similar components break on a Ford Taurus. It's just not normal, though. Yeah. Right, exactly. All right, so our next thing. Who are we going to give the points to when we're talking about repairability, when there's an issue with some kind of maintenance? That is actually, interestingly, the opposite of what people tend to think. Laminated trailers are when people, they think aluminum. Aluminum's the answer. If it's got aluminum, it can't fail. It can't rot. But here's the thing. There's other components in that wall. Let's start with a normal laminated ultralight. You typically still have two layers of wooden Luan product in that. Even an Asdell using travel trailer typically still has half the wall using a Luan wood product. There are still things that can fail. Bead foam can get wet. Mold spores can grow in it. When you ever see me talking about the braille bumps in the wall of a laminated (laughs) travel trailer, Mm -hmm. that's called mold spores, ladies and gentlemen. So that is a compromised wall. Here's the thing, though. To get that out of a laminated trailer, you pretty much have to have amazingly specialized tools and technicians and facilities that you don't have. Or you have to effectively completely replace the wall or you learn to live with it. Kind of like, you know, Tony sitting next to you, Peggy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he has learned to live with me. (laughs) Which is why when it comes to repairability, it is actually the opposite of what you think with a clear point in the column of the stick and tin trailer. Sure, wood products and stuff can rot. Both trailers can rot. Both trailers can fail. The point is you, the owner, need to perform basically the same care, maintenance, and upkeep regardless of the trailer type because it's not the skin that fails. It's the freaking seals, and they've all got them. They all have the same seals with the same sealant. The thing is with a stick and tin trailer, if something goes wrong, you can pull down a wall board. You can pull out rotten residential insulation. You could replace a stud in the wall if you had to, and you could rebuild that wall to factory spec. You could pay somebody who's just a handyman who doesn't even know RV repair, they could do it. But a laminated RV wall, there just ain't many people with a lamination press laying around. And I know a lot of people in this business. (laughs) We had, uh, when I was working warranties, we had access to this guy and he was fantastic with the laminated wall repair. Mm -hmm. He was like a magician, but gosh, when we had a delivery driver once run into a tree And that trailer was months getting repaired. I was surprised the manufacturer repaired it because it was, I think, like $8,000 for some fairly minor damage to the upper corner. That's the thing with lamination. If one part of the wall is compromised, it's one piece wall. The whole thing's, it's like a fire sale. It's got to go. Automotive body shops can do some pretty amazing kind of stuff sometimes, but there's just certain things that, especially if the aluminum skeleton gets tweaked at all, Throw it away. Yeah. Or if the walls are all glued together, if there's a wire that goes bad inside that wall, how are you going to fix oh, it? Oh, gosh. You know, and, yeah. it, and I've seen it happen. And so, yeah, the stick and tin trailer, it's easy to pull that skin off there and route wires and that sort of stuff. Sure. Naturally, though, we do have to give a little bit more of a discussion, I think, to the laminated type trailers that are using more 
Asdell type products or like Keystone in, in the Cougar travel trailers, they're using this thing they call Hyperdeck. It's an Asdell like material. The idea behind it is basically the same, except the molecular structure of the material works a little differently. Like Asdell is a great material, but it's not as good at holding weight horizontally, like on a floor or a roof as wood, which is why you don't tend to see Asdell roofs and floors, except in tiny small campers where there's not enough physical stress for that to become a factor. Mm. But those materials make it harder for that laminated wall to be compromised. But again, enough neglect can tear up anything because what causes that delamination is when water gets to the glue within the wall and i don't care what materials that wall is made out of it has the same glue inside there and if water as a solvent gets to that glue and dilutes it it's gonna happen guys yeah. yeah, and you'll see the trailers that were formerly smooth-skinned where you see ripples or bulges or things like that. That's basically come unglued, and then you're going to come unglued <laughs> when you yeah. find the repair bill. I call them friendlies because they wave at you as they go by. <laughs> <laughs> so for repairability, we have the stick and tin, yeah. the traditional yeah. trailers. For repairability and for cost, it's got two checks so far. Yeah. yeah. Now, how would you rate maintenance of the laminated versus the stick and tin i wouldn't there's no advantage there because once again the common delimiting factor is not the skin it's the seals now if we're talking about general cleaning you know if you're going to get the old hose and the brush out absolutely you're going to make it rain on laminated trailers all day first of all it has way 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 less surface area because if you think about those wavy aluminum panels if you pounded them flat there's so much surface there (laughs) but also where those panels s crimp together it's called a mesa crimp that's another little nook and cranny and now you've only got eight of those down the side of your trailer and now good luck getting inside every one of those effectively and they're probably designed so that water coming from above it's pretty safe from that but when you're hosing it off and you're spraying up from below it's probably a less effective no actually it's pretty reliable both directions Ah. certainly you know rvs are designed to deflect water from the top down But it's not just like a shelf with like another layer below it. They actually crimp together. They're they're I'm I'm doing this reverse thing in the camera that the viewers aren't seeing (laughs) to show Peggy and Tony. Put your hands together palm to palm at home right now. Now slide it back so that the tip of your middle finger is just touching the top of the opposing palm. And now roll your fingers together like you're trying to make fists at the same time, like you're making a yin-yang out of your hand. That's how aluminum panels are crimped together. So water would have to go up, down, and around. Now, you got a power washer. You theoretically can blow some water through there. (laughs) You just got to be careful. And the idea there is you can clean an RV fine with a power washer. You just don't get two inches from the surface like you're cleaning concrete. (laughs) (laughs) We actually had at the resort we own, he had a kid we hired to power wash the driveway. And he... He did draw... He did. Designs in the concrete. (laughs) He was so close with such a powerful pressure washer. Well, blacktop, not really concrete. Yeah, that's true. It was blacktop. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) one of the things that I've noticed is the stick and tin, since the windows don't lie flush against the surface, there is just a higher volume of sealant in those voids, as it were. Yeah, they do have to be a little heavy handed with it in those areas. That's true. And that is a maintenance item. So if you're not good with maintaining things, that might be something to consider in your buying process. You know, this is something that's probably not going to win me any favors of people. (laughs) But ladies and gentlemen listening at home, 
if you're not going to take care of your camper, don't buy a camper. I mean, all you're doing is setting yourself up for thousands of dollars of disappointment, tens of thousands of dollars of disappointment. And understand, I'm a guy saying that who doesn't get paid if you don't buy a camper. Right. You know, I've got a big YouTube channel, but I don't monetize that. I don't make money off YouTube. You know, I don't get paid unless you purchase from my family's dealership. And if you're not going to take care of the thing, don't buy it. Would you, why would you get a dog if you're not going to feed it? Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense. And to that point, as a new RV customer, you're going to probably buy an RV that you shouldn't buy first. You're going to go in and look at it and it's like, wow, that's Unless really cool. Unless you visit HaleyLitRV.com. Well, <laughs> well, but okay, I'm going to say, not always, obviously, but oftentimes people would come to me and say, this is my reality. What should I get? And I would show them based on what they told me. And sometimes they're like, oh, but that one has a fireplace. That's what I want. And they'd buy the fireplace one. And two or three years later, it was back in trade. I literally had somebody buy a trailer and four or five months later come back and ultimately buy the trailer I told them to buy based on what they yep. their needs were. But some of those trailers that are one or two years old, there's been no maintenance done on them. And now there's a leak or another issue. So all RVs need routine maintenance, more so than your passenger vehicle or tow vehicle by far. Oh, for sure. Uh, An interesting little thing you said there. I've shared this in one of our previous discussions, but you mentioned first timers. Your average first time owner only keeps their RV about two and a half years. And what's funny is you seemed really shocked the first time I said that, but you just said yourself, people would come back a first timer between two or three years. You you yourself just recited the same time frame. (laughs) But when I say it out loud, it sounds so wrong, but you've even seen it yourself. And I think what you're really saying, the easiest way you can say it is your first time around, you can watch all the videos, you can read all the guides and you don't know what you don't know. Right. If you haven't have practical experience doing it, you don't know what you're going to want or what you're not going to like or what you are going to like. Well, and sometimes your reality changes too. Right. But I mean, look at us. We are looking at new trailers. And how old is our trailer? Four years. Four years old. (laughs) I mean, we've got the itch super bad. We even bought a bigger truck so we could tow a new trailer. Yep. So our last item. Those laminated trailers don't have any wood. That's so awesome. Wait a minute. (laughs) A lot of them still do. We kind of mentioned that because here's another thing, too. When people see fiberglass, they think aluminum, but that doesn't mean the entire trailer is laminated. It doesn't mean the entire trailer is aluminum. Most laminated trailers still typically have a non-laminated roof and or floor and or front and rear walls. Like, I remember a uh, brand of fifth wheel we used to carry. The company built stick and tin trailers, and then they built laminated fifth wheels. And they they were really bold about it in their brochures. Aluminum framed laminated sidewalls. Yeah, I think I know who you mean. Specify that (laughs) sidewall because the rest of the trailer was stick built to beat the band. (laughs) It was one of those things. It was a case of like they're just giving people what they want. People want aluminum. We'll tell them it's got aluminum and we'll show them fiberglass. And most people just stop asking. They'll come in and sometimes they'll even look at a stick and tin trailer. And this is how scared people are. And I don't blame you for being scared. You're good for being scared. It's good to ask questions. Don't ever hesitate to ask a question, ladies and gentlemen listening. And if someone makes you feel dumb for asking it, don't buy from them because there's other people out there. 
and also the people on the interwebs. I mean, there are so many forums where I see somebody ask a legitimate question and they just get bombarded bombarded with yeah, this and negativity. They get, they get called it. dumb yeah. and those yeah. are not yeah. the people you should be listening to. Like I'll even hear people look at a stick and tin trailer and say, but is it Asdell? They don't even know what they're asking. They just heard that that's what you're supposed to get. Yeah. And it's fine that you asked that question, but you need to also be receptive to answers because that's another interesting dichotomy I've noticed is that someone will ask a question like that and then the moment they don't get the answer that the guide gave them, they shut down and they go, no, I don't want that. <laughs> well, why is, you know, they, they don't even understand what the real benefit is or drawbacks or anything like that, you know? Yeah. There's also these little niche sub builds like the Black Label Edition Cherokees is easily the most popular example of a sub build. And I just saw your eyebrows. Yeah. Go up, Tony, I know you guys <laughs> I, we looked at, at those. They are. That yes. look was not Maxi. very secret. Huh? No, they make a toy hauler that is on our checklist. <laughs> no, they are smexy. And it's interesting because they're still a stick built trailer, but what they have is a really heavy duty fiberglass skin layered on top of a double layer of Luan which people hear Luan and they go, oh, no, wood is bad. <laughs> so that you know, all of the most successful luxury fifth wheels are all using the exact same type of skin I just told you about. Fiberglass glued on top of dual offset Luan. They do the offsetting so that you don't see lines under the fiberglass. Mm. So Montana, North Point, Pinnacle, Eagle, all these big luxury fifth wheel names are doing the same thing I just said. So they're doing that on a stick built travel trailer and they are giving you all the gloss, all the shine and all the smooth skin, easy towing, easy cleaning benefits of a laminated trailer a lot closer to a stick built price point. It is a very cool balance of factors. It does have one offset though. It's the heaviest type of construction that you'll get. Oh. People go, what do you mean? Fiberglass means lighter. Remember that we just said we added dual layers of Luan. That translates effectively into three-eighths plywood wrapped all the way around the trailer. To yeah. give you an idea, on a 16-foot wolf pup, it adds about 200 pounds. Yeah. Now imagine a 30-foot super slide. Yeah. Right. It adds more. So you're taking all the weight of a wood-studded trailer, and you're adding more wood to it. But it looks amazing, and it is making those seal points around those windows easier to manage, like you talked about, Tony. Yeah. The other one, and it's kind of funny because we got one in on trade today, the rare example of the aluminum stud trailer with the aluminum skin. Like Riverside Retro is an example. Old Sunnybrook trailers were an example. Oh, those were Like the Sunset Creeks. Hmm. They have aluminum skeletons with a corrugated aluminum skin. And that is probably the best example of a good bones trailer ever because that thing could leak like a sieve. <laughs> the insulation could rot the skin and the frame is still there. And there's just, the trailer can't fall apart when it's built like that. It can get ugly, but it can't fail. That's how those new holiday house trailers are built. They're an aluminum welded cage with an aluminum skin oh. and they're even an aluminum frame. Yeah. So they're pretty slick. It reminds me a lot of the old true original living lights, a oh. trailer that you could literally, you could hand down to your grandkid and it yeah. would still be there. Right. You know? I wanted one of those so, so bad. And then they got bought out and 
just destroyed. But yeah, those Live and Light trailers were fantastic. There is one other very rare example, too. And actually, it's interesting because it's the classic way big fifth wheels were constructed. And that is with a aluminum cage that's not laminated and then a fiberglass skin. You don't find a lot of that in the industry today because we've been conditioned to think that laminated is better. But mm-hmm. there's a fifth wheel brand out there for which I have a lot of respect. I'll go ahead and say it. We don't carry them, but I have all the respect in the world. So that you know I'm being fair. The way Cedar Creek builds, they are built like tanks. And if, again, you want a good example of a good bones rig, they're a good bones rig. Because the thing is, when you're looking at a laminated wall, the actual lamination, the distribution of weight and stress is where a lot of the strength of the wall comes from, which is a lot of times how they're able to go from like a two inch to a one and a half inch wall. Mm -hmm. But the studs in that wall are maybe every four feet on center. But that's okay when you're laminated because its strength comes from not just exclusively the studs. Thing is, when you go to something, like I mentioned on a Cedar Creek build, every 16 inches on center, you've got a stud, like a stick belt trailer, but it's aluminum. The studs are held in place not just by welding. Welding doesn't hold up as well in a non-laminated situation. It's actually screwed and bracketed in place, but they also have this like cement compound they put in place that continues to cure over time. And basically, the screw and bracket is just there to keep it held together while it's coming down the production line. Once that adhesive sets... Those structures, they're like Roman concrete. They literally only get stronger over time. Watch a couple of my videos on old beat to death Cedar Creeks. (laughs) And they're still chugging. Yeah. Well, another one that does that is Intech. I just wrote up a review of the Intech Oasis. And that whole thing is, again, all aluminum cage, all aluminum frame. And they glue the outside walls to the aluminum frame. And those things are... It's a neat looking trailer. Yeah. It's also on my list. That's the hardest part. It's like we have a pretty good selection of stuff at Halet RV, but there are very many other very cool, fun brands right. out there. And, you know, there's a whole world of RVing and they're all the shades of the rainbow in terms of features and builds. And like people ask me, hey, can you make a list of the pecking order of trailers? No, because it's a C. <laughs> it's not it's not a line. You know, it's not a conga line. It's a dinner party. They're everywhere, man. So it sounds like really the bottom line for somebody looking for a new trailer is to really look at a number of factors, including how good you are personally with maintenance, what your expectations are, what you can tow legitimately, and what your budget is. And there's almost no wrong answer there's just a combination of things that'll get you to where you need to be right yeah and you know we've talked a few times like you mentioned right there if you're not good at upkeep stuff i think that is something that we all need to get better about taking responsibility as an owner for our investment taking our personal responsibility there but i think there's a combination of factors out there like every person who buys a new RV from Halitz, we show them how this works. We give them suggested maintenance routines. We have guides that we can print out. And for anyone who's curious, if you visit HalitzRV.com, near the top of the page, there's a uh, little tab that says resources. And one of them is, it says like checklists. And I have routine care, maintenance, upkeep checklists on there. And that is a really good starting point to actually be able to see in black and white, what do I need to do for this thing? And what you find out is, there's only six or eight things you really got to do. You know, if you're only going to do one thing ever to take care of your car, you're going to change the oil. If you only do one thing ever to your RV, clean and condition the roof. And it is amazing 
how you will double the lifespan of that RV with one simple thing. It's not like you have to sit here and dedicate, you know, one week a month to taking care of the camper. Frankly, you don't have to do much. It's painful how little people actually do. But I don't think there's enough dealerships giving you that information out there. It's all about sell it, sell it, sell it, and not teach you the backside of it. And right. I don't know. I guess we seem to be the one weird example the other way. Well, that's <laughs> why we enjoy talking to you, because I think your videos and the content you provide is really good. And so it's always a pleasure to have you here with us, Josh. Oh, I thought you meant because we like weird. No, that's why we... <laughs> what are you saying, Peggy? You started it. <laughs> That's why we're going to Michigan in 2021. That's right. So we can. We're on our way. First hand weird. (laughs) (laughs) At least we hope. Let's just all keep our fingers crossed. Well, you know what? The world does better when we have more cheerleaders than naysayers. So keep that positive mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's so much to be upbeat and positive about in the RV world. It's still the best way to see this country. So, you know, one of the weird things, this has been a weird year. But if you look at the RVs that have come out of this season, the advancements that the product developers have made, it's also been, I think, one of the most potentially exciting years that has been out there. It's just we haven't been able to see it as readily as we have. But this next calendar year, I think there's going to be, I mean, a lot of the changes and updates that have already gone into place because production's been slow. We haven't seen that stuff. This coming year is going to blow people's minds. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, some of the floor plans I'm seeing, I've seen some now that have desks. So they're recognizing yeah. well, this Think work of how from many the road. people are work camping now or doing right. mobile, oh, yeah. mobile right. learning. Yeah, or as you said, mobile learning, whatever. I'm working with a few medical professionals writing about medical professionals who live in their RVs and Mm -hmm. things. The world has, if anything good has come out of this whole mess that we've been in the past year, it's that a lot of companies are recognizing, you know, you don't have to come into work. You can do a good job. You know, when you're out there and some people are like, well, I'm going way out there. I'm, I'm getting an RV and, and hitting the road. Yeah. So I think that's the probably the best thing to come out of this. And now they will have a lot more information about which RV they should choose. Indeed. I don't know if we help people or if we just confused them further. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, if they have questions, they can join us on our Facebook group. And you're there, thankfully, uh, to answer questions. And we have some other people, too, who really do a good job. And so it's a good place to start your search. Yeah. What's nice about that, that you've really done a good job of fostering a really nice positive community there. So if anyone is afraid to ask those first time questions, questions, look up Tony and Peggy's Facebook groups because it is really, I don't like the phrase because I think it's taken on a negative tone quite a bit, but it really is a safe space where someone can say, Hey, maybe I'm an idiot. How do I turn on my water (laughs) heater? And you're going to get good answers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The jerks just aren't tolerated there. So newbies welcome for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. By the way, Tony, how do I, how do I turn on a water heater? (laughs) (laughs) I'll PM you in a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is it gas electric or just gas? Or is it one of those like Truma instant water heaters? There's so many answers. Yeah, that's why. Okay. Reel it back, buddy. Uh, (laughs) You can't just answer with one answer, which is the whole point of this whole discussion with Josh. And we sure appreciate that you have given us this information and people can use these bits of information to help them 
choose their first or their next RV. Or their 50th, whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah thank you again, Josh. Always a pleasure to spend time with you, my friend. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. Folks. Stay safe. Take care and happy camping. <laughs> Close. Oh, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, stay safe, have fun, and happy Haywood camping, everyone. <laughs> it's a great way to end this. So that either helps you or makes your list more difficult to figure out. But now you know the differences between different construction right, types. It's something that there is no one single answer to what is the best RV construction or right. what is the best thing for you. So just look at all the different factors. And when you're shopping for an RV, look at what suits you in the floor plans. That's a big factor because you're going to have to live with it. Right. We'll be right back because we're going to Garberville. And then our gadget report is the most expensive gadget I've ever talked about. <laughs> Remember that time we followed our GPS and ended up at the top of a cliff overlooking the campground? Yeah, I had to back the trailer down a mountain road. Remember the time we went on that twisty, windy road and hit our awning on a tree? Yeah, I do. But now those kinds of things aren't going to happen anymore thanks to RV Trip Wizard. Right. RV Trip Wizard lets you plan your journeys before you go and then use their app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate that journey. You can set parameters such as how far you want to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops, and even read reviews of the campgrounds and places you want to go to. It all takes into account the size of your RV and more. Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't going to lead you into trouble. If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on StresslessCamping.com, where you can also listen to our interview with RV Trip Wizard and learn about the whole RV life suite. Now, now that's Stressless Camping. camping. Welcome back. So we told you that we went to the Benbo KOA. Yes, we did. And that is just south of Garberville in the Redwoods of Northern California. And we had a really good time. The KOA is a pretty nice park. And there's a lot of really fun stuff to see in the Redwoods. Yeah, the Redwoods themselves are absolutely magnificent. I mean, these giant trees that sometimes are centuries and centuries old. Well, many, most of them are. One of the interesting things, there's a video by Justin Scard talking about the various resorts of the Redwood Throughout Highway. history. Yeah. Yeah. And how, oddly enough, those resorts helped save a lot of these groves of Redwoods because you basically get a Redwood tree in a sawmill and you're income is going to spike. The value of old growth redwood trees is really, really high. So they log the heck out of them. Yeah. So there are still groves of them around. And part of the reason is they were such a tourist attraction that they didn't get cut down. Which is good. Yeah. We've learned to preserve things and all that. So we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Saying that our sticks and bricks house is made completely out of old growth. Well, it's also a hundred years old. True. (laughs) That's true. So, you know, we've talked before about parts of the Redwood, like driving through the chandelier tree in Leggett and visiting the mystery house and the confusion hill. And we were a little bit farther north this time. So instead of going to those places, we went to visit the grandfather tree. Yeah. It is 
a gigantic huge tree it's over 200 feet tall but the interesting thing about this tree is the the width i mean this thing is i forgot how many i forget feet. how big around it is but we'll it's, put a picture yeah, of it it's though. really big around and tall and old and so that was a fun stop and then right next to that is the old one log house yeah and the one log house is this dude basically took a redwood tree and hollowed out the middle of it and make the interior essentially an a rv yeah. yeah yeah pretty much an rv well he made the interior a house and then he put wheels underneath to make it an rv yeah and then he took it all over the u.s on this you know on these old trucks because it was done i believe in the 40s so this would be classic wood construction yeah i guess so <laughs> <laughs> and definitely heavier Oh, yeah. I think the logs started at 42 tons, but then he took, you know, a lot of the middle out of it. But there's a potty. There's a kitchen, dinette, two beds. It's yeah. it's actually pretty impressive. Pretty and cute. you can go in for a buck and walk around in the one log house and it's kind of slick. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, you know, what was considered a house. I mean, it's got everything you would need. Yeah. The bathroom closet, oddly, was empty, so I'm not sure how they dealt with that. Maybe they just had a bucket or something. Well, they probably took it out because you know how people would be like, oh, a bathroom, I got to go potty. Yeah, but you can see the inside of the log just like you can in the rest of the house, so it's an odd-shaped little closet. But, I mean, I'm sure they figured it out. It's kind of a cool tourist attraction. I love roadside tourist attractions. Yeah, for sure. And we also got a coffee there and some sandwiches, and that was good. Not from the log itself, but from the adjacent diner or whatever. Yeah, gift shop. We went through Garberville, and we didn't stop. No, we didn't stop. You know, right now... A lot of stuff is closed. So we did drive through so we could say we've been to Garberville. Yeah. But <laughs> Saw all the pot shops. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of, of them. There's a lot of, well, and there it is Humboldt County. And there wasn't anything we particularly, you know, we didn't need to shop. Our friends went there and actually shopped at the grocery store. But we just drove around and drove by the park and just took a peek at Garberville. But if you go up that direction, you will definitely want to stop at the Bigfoot store. Yeah. Holy moly. It is. I mean, anything you can imagine, books and wood carving Bigfoots and tree houses and locally made wood things. Yeah. So this is a little bit farther north from the grandfather tree in the one log house house it's just a roadside attraction yeah probably was an old resort (laughs) might have been and now it's just a gift shop and it's just really fun to walk through and look at all the different carvings there's gnomes and lots of bigfoots and just anything you can imagine about bigfoot signs posters books keychains keychains woodcart i mean you name it and the dude at one of those stores said we haven't had a bigfoot sighting since 2018 yep so maybe he was ready to be seen again yeah maybe he's like oh look there's peggy yeah i'm sure that's it yeah he's like oh i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna freak somebody out watch this hold my beer and watch this you know we (laughs) may think isolation is bad but how do you think that guy feels right well he's the king of social distancing (laughs) he's been hiding forever So the Bigfoot shop, the grandfather tree, the one log RV. Another way to spend a day in the Redwoods. And, you know, I could spend a lot of days in the Redwoods. Yeah, and you could go hiking. There's lots of trails and paths and such. There's a real magic to that forest. I mean, just walking through there is just... 
I don't yeah. know. There's it's a certain feeling that I get, and I always loved it since I was a wee lad. So a good place to go. Yes. And there's the KOA, and there's a lot of other campgrounds. We're definitely right. going back. Yeah, there's so. several state park campgrounds that we'll go and visit in the future. They're seasonal, so yeah. we weren't able to get... And no services in some of them. Right. The KOA is a KOA. It's a big open area with... With full service. Yeah, full service. Yeah. And you know, right now, a lot of their services are closed there, like the pool, and I wouldn't want to go in it right now anyway. <laughs> a little chilly for that. Yeah. They have a lot of cabins there. Yeah, a lot of cabins, yeah. and they have golf apparently people yeah real golf not mini golf <laughs> right yeah they have a real golf course yeah and the benbow inn which is this big historic inn that's very european yeah, right across the highway so you can they actually have a path so you can go under the highway and get over there by foot and they have a nice fancy restaurant and you can stay there if you want and apparently it's a very fancy nice place to go we yep. didn't go in. We just we didn't drove go by. In. I've wanted to go there for a while. We even traded with the Benbow Inn people when we had a resort. Yeah, and we, we still haven't go. gone there. <laughs> Someday. One of these days. Yeah. But now, you know, we like the comforts of our own RV. We do. And that's one of the beauties of RV travel is our bathroom, our bedroom, our kitchen, our lawn chairs. All of that. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that your gadget report was a very expensive it's gadget. very expensive. It is the most expensive gadget I think I have talked about. And it's not a gadget per se, but it's a new RV that is just introduced from Intech RV. And it's a Intech Terra Oasis travel trailer. It's a two axle, 26 foot travel trailer. Oh my gosh. I love this thing. Intech builds RVs very differently. They have their own shop where they build the chassis and the frame, and it's 100% aluminum. So the chassis is aluminum, the framing is aluminum, it's all this welded cage structure, and then they wrap it with a fiberglass skin, and even the roof is fiberglass. It's a one-piece fiberglass roof, which I really like. It's a no-slide, two-axle travel trailer. Up front is a dining area with these fantastic windows all around it, kind of like the Holiday House. I love those windows but it's a very modern looking rv it's kind of swoopy and i don't know it reminds me of the monorail cars <laughs> at the <laughs> la county fairgrounds for some reason very swoopy there's a lot of little things in this rv that i really appreciated and i wrote a review over on rv travel so we'll put a link to that but things like there's a light switch at the opening of the bedroom and then a redundant switch by the bed so you can turn the lights on as you walk in That's and handy. turn them off as you lay in bed yeah there's windows all around the bedroom which is pretty cool so you get a nice view if you're in bed just sitting there it's a programmable thermostat so you can program it to turn on the heat or air conditioning at different times a day which oh, is yeah nice. it's pretty slick in the middle the bathroom occupies both sides of the hallway so on one side there's sort of a closet type arrangement that is the shower on the other side is another sort of closet arrangement and that's the toilet and the sink mm -hmm. And there's a counter in the sink. So it's a decent sized toilet. You're not going to feel cramped. The shower has a shower head that is on... Adjustable height? Yeah, like the it's bar. adjustable. Yeah, it's a bar. Okay. And you can adjust the shower head for height. You know, a lot of little touches in this. We've had those shower heads in our homes. Yeah, we have. <laughs> and now you can have it in an RV. There's LEDs around the vent on both the shower and in the toilet room. So it kind of is like adding to the ambient light. There are a few different areas where there's open cabinetry with bungees in front. So you can put things there 
for decoration or for storage, and they don't fall out because they're bungeed in. And they have a really pretty blue light for, yeah, for a more ambiance. Yeah, there's a blue light behind them. The cabinets are really well done. That front lounge slash dining area is what really floats my boat. <laughs> there is an optional outside kitchen that has a stovetop and 12-volt cooler. Okay. In a lot of these outdoor kitchens, they put 110-volt coolers in. Well, that only works if, if you're, you're plugged in. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, really? So outdoor kitchens are not for boondocking, typically. Well, at least not the refrigerator portion. Right. This would be, speaking of 12-volt fridges, this RV, like so many more that I'm reviewing has a 12-volt DC refrigerator in it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to predict that in five years, you're not going to see gas electric fridges anymore. Yeah, they're really... 12-volt seems to be very, very popular. That's funny. Like last year, I was still selling RVs and Outback started including 12-volt fridges and we lost our minds. We're like, really? (laughs) And now, writing these reviews for RV travel, I'd say a third to a half of the RVs are coming with the 12-volt fridges. So gas electric fridges... You're doomed. <laughs> so that's really good. If you've got solar, you can keep your batteries charged up and you don't have to burn the propane right. and you don't have to find a hookup. Right. And we don't have to fight over whether the refrigerator can run while you're driving because Correct. it can always run on 12 volts. Absolutely. It's designed for that. And there's no source of gas. So it's, right. you know, again, I know there's an old argument, but bottom line, there's no propane running to this fridge. So you can run it on 12 volt while you're driving down the road. And another advantage, they're larger inside because the refrigeration components just take up less space yep. and they cool faster. Anyway, a lot of advantages. And there's no holes in the outside of the RV. However, they do. Well, we had a whole episode about 12-volt fridges. And it's actually one of our most popular episodes. So we'll put a link to that. So you probably already know all this stuff. Yeah, right? If you've been listening. (laughs) Anyway, this Intech Terra Oasis was just introduced. They're literally just starting production now. And... Dog on it. I think I want one. He always wants one. He yeah, wants everything true. he looks at. <laughs> well, not everything. Like, not Bigfoot. Well, well, I didn't see it, so. You didn't review that. No. <laughs> and now on Stressless Camping, a review of Bigfoot. Today, we talked to Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what we have for you this week. We have a question for you this week, as we do every week. If you have a motorhome, Have you foregone the tow vehicle altogether and used services like Uber, Lyft, or a rental car agency? Or are you still towing a vehicle behind you? That is our question for this week. Yep. And you will also find it in our Facebook groups. So if you go to www.stresslesscamping.com, you can answer us there. Or you can jump off of the website onto Facebook and answer us there. Yeah, we have the conversation always continue on our Facebook group where we keep things friendly and professional so thank you again for joining us this week we hope you learned something about how rvs are built and about bigfoot and all of that (laughs) we hope that you tell your friends about my sighting of bigfoot because they're (laughs) all gonna want to (laughs) know yeah exactly and i'm gonna look through that dash footage and see if i can find it and if you don't want to miss a future episode of the stressless camping podcast you know it's free free to subscribe on any podcast app we are saving a seat for you around our virtual campfire And did you know that a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, will help others find us too so we can get great guests like Josh Winters from Hailed RV of Coldwater, Michigan. (laughs) We really appreciate those reviews. We really appreciate you tuning in. And happy happy camping. camping!
We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping. I saw Bigfoot. And if he ever wants to stop by and roast marshmallows with us, I don't want him to break our chairs.